Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hey guys, ready or not, 2024 is here and we here at Breaking Points are already thinking of ways we can up our game for this critical election. We rely on our premium subs to expand coverage, upgrade the studio, add staff, give you guys the best independent coverage that is possible. If you like what we're all about, it just means the absolute world to have your support. But enough with that, let's get to the show. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. We have an amazing show for everybody today. Extra amazing because it's a bro show. It's great to see you, Ryan. Indeed we do. Fist pump. That's right. Indeed we do. Uh, gosh, I got to set up these topics. This is always so difficult. It's Crystal's job. So we're going to talk right. about see if you the GOP it. primary. All right, we can start off there. It's very similar to yesterday's show. Today is actually the New Hampshire primary. The first six votes have already been cast, all for Nikki Haley. But don't worry, it's in a very, very tiny little uh, town. There are more reporters there than actual voters. Uh, we'll also talk about the Democratic primary some weird stuff going on. I'm curious to get your insight. It appears that there's some phantom Biden effort to try and quash votes there. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson. Everybody's closing pitch. We've got some of the ads and everything. We've got actually a guest um, who's going to be joining us in the show. This is one of those organizers for the write-in ceasefire. Ceasefire. Uh, So we will see how uh, that goes, how that materializes. We've also got predictions. I forgot about that. Crystal actually sent us her predictions and Ryan and I will give ours as well on how we think that the night is going to go in the GOP primary. There are some major developments in the Trump legal front um, in terms of that divorce case involving (laughs) Fannie Willis and some of the other (laughs) things that we're learning about that. Trump truly is the luckiest man alive, Ryan. Uh, (laughs) On Israel, some crazy news just happening, breaking overnight. 21 IDF soldiers died in a single incident in combat. It's the deadliest incident so far for the IDF. That comes amidst a new ceasefire proposal from the Israeli government, as well as a new U.S. military assessment on how Israel appears to be losing the war, and that's according to our strategist. Finally, and of course, Bill Ackman uh, returns to the show, I mean, at least in terms of topics. We're going to talk about some campus censorship stuff and a very insane incident at Columbia University. Before we get to the show, though, do not forget we got an election special that's going on right now, 25% off on our yearly membership, breakingpoints.com. Also, in terms of planning, so here's what we're going to have. 
have. We are going to have a breaking segment tonight after we get the results of the New Hampshire primary. And tomorrow we will have a special breaking points, counterpoints crossover event where I will be joining the counterpoints team here in the studio and we will have Crystal joining us remotely before we have our normal Thursday show. So all of your election coverage you guys are helping us out with, breakingpoints.com again to become a premium member. But uh, let's go ahead and begin with the GOP primary. So what exactly uh, can we expect from tonight? Uh, We thought it would be prudent, as always, to give people a preview of the closing pitch to New Hampshire voters. First, we're going to listen to the frontrunner, Donald Trump. This is his last ad in the state of New Hampshire. Let's take a listen. Americans were promised a secure retirement. Nikki Haley's plan ends that. Social Security, Medicare, how would you manage the entitlements? We say the rules have changed. We change retirement age to reflect life expectancy. What we do know is 65 is way too low, and we need to increase that. that. Haley's plan cuts Social Security benefits for 82% of Americans. Trump will never let that happen. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. Very interesting tactic there, Ryan. We're going to get into some polling, but it appears to have worked. It's also just, you know, sometimes we don't marvel enough at the fact that the GOP frontrunner is attacking somebody else for wanting to cut Social Security. In, that actually is pretty crazy. In, yeah. in 2016, it was one of the things that had people on the left mm-hmm. so intrigued by this Republican primary mm-hmm. because we had all seen the polling for many years right. and d- done the reporting that the the center, the, the center right, the center left and the right had been trying to cut Social Security and Medicare mm-hmm. for a generation. It, it, you know, it broke the Bush presidency when he tried to do it. And despite having all of the power in Washington, they just couldn't do it because the public was so against it. That was obvious. Trump is good at recognizing what the public is for and against. Yes. They are not for cuts to Social Security and Medicare. Right. Nikki Haley apparently not so good at that. <laughs> and she can just use a clip of her saying that she's going to make people's lives worse. Right. I mean, we played it here. We showed it to our focus group as well. It didn't play over well with our New Hampshire GOP focus group. If you guys will recall, that was one of the first focus groups we ever did here at Breaking Points. Nikki Haley has a uh, Defending Democracy Super PAC running ads on her behalf. So we wanted to give people a taste of what the anti Trump position looks like in New Hampshire. Here's the ad that they have on the airwaves. A new poll shows Nikki Haley is now within striking distance of Trump heading into the New Hampshire primary. One state can prevent Trump from winning the nomination. New Hampshire. One candidate can defeat it. Nikki Haley. Most granite staters want to defeat Trump, but he'll win unless voters stand firm behind a single alternative. That's why undeclared voters must go to their polling place on January 23rd to support Haley. New Hampshire, we can't waste this opportunity to defeat Trump. Defending Democracy Together is responsible for the content of this advertising. Defending Democracy being one of those Bill Crystal groups. The problem for Nikki Haley Ryan is that in general, she's surging amongst independents and amongst Democrats. If you want a perfect example of this, CNN actually was going around doing interviews at a recent Nikki Haley uh, interview. <laughs> Here's what her own voters had to say on whether they would vote for Trump or Biden. Plot twist, a lot of them are saying Biden. Let's take a listen. Versus Biden, what are you gonna do? <laughs> That really puts me in a quandary. I frankly am more scared of another Trump term than another Biden term. Low voted for him twice. I don't know that I could, in good conscience, vote for him again. I mean, he does things that we teach our children not to do. I would probably end up either voting for myself, (laughs) it's a protest, 
or for Biden. Probably end up voting for myself or for Biden. I'm pretty sure that lady's probably going to vote for Biden. She's, younger. Way, She's younger. Yeah, no yeah. shade. No shade at all. That's totally rational position. But, you know, you just got to be honest that a lot of those people, is it really even fair to call them Republicans anymore? And I'm not. this is not a personal no. dispersion. It's just like, look, that's what a realignment looks like. That's how Biden was able to win many GOP counties back in 2020 in that election. It was specifically because of these former Trump voters, largely white, largely college educated, people who previously would have voted for John McCain, Mitt Romney, in some cases, lifelong Republicans. But for Trump, it was just too much. The but, uh, flip side of this is that Trump also brings out a hell of a lot of college, non-college educated white voters who they would never vote for anybody else. In some cases, they never voted in 20, 30 years. Right. So it's the flip side of that coin as but, well. And But also, this yeah. is not the NFL playoffs. This is not single elimination. Yeah, like <laughs> Haley can right. beat Trump in New Hampshire, yes. and he's still going to romp everywhere else in the country. Obviously. So this, right. this line that they have in the ad that says one state can stop Donald Trump, <laughs> that's actually not how it works. Yeah, it's just not true at all. <laughs> like uh, he, she can romp there tonight. Right. And it won't actually I matter. And I don't even think and she she's is not going to romp. That's yeah. yeah. Well, look, save the prediction. Okay. Save the prediction. Uh, we do have another funny clip just came across the radar. I had to play this just to give you guys an idea of like how Trump voters and others have a cheap enmity for Nikki Haley. This was an incident actually on her final day of campaigning yesterday in New Hampshire. A man shouts out, "Will you marry me?" Nikki says, "Well, are you going to vote for me?" And she goes, "No, I'm going to vote for Trump." And she's like, "All right, get out of here. Let's take a listen." But you know what? We've got a lot on the line here. We really do. And you look at what's happening in this election. Yes. Are you going to vote for me? (laughs) Get out of here. Get out of here. Nuptials oh. are off. Yeah, nuptials uh, <laughs> apparently are off. Oh, yeah, well, some interesting questions around that, but we won't get into it today. Uh, in terms of the polling um, in all of that, this is one where actually the Washington Post just came out with a new mammoth poll, which is really worth digging into because it gives us a deep insight, not only into Nikki Haley and her alleged like skyrocketing, but some of the group by group polling. So guys, if we can please put this up there and Ryan, just chime in for anything that you see. The reason this is useful is uh, it shows the November 2023 number. Now, note this. While Nikki Haley has gone from 18 to 34% since November, Trump has gone from 46 to 52. DeSantis, allegedly 7 to 8. Remember, he just dropped out of the race. Now, Chris Christie was at 11. Now, obviously, he's at 1. It's pretty clear that Chris Christie voters largely have crossed over to Nikki Haley, and that's what helps us consolidate her. The DeSantis number, we just don't know. We don't have any idea. The poll was conducted around the same time that DeSantis was actually dropping out of the race the very last day that they were doing it. So it's not, you know, exactly, it's not exactly clear to us where those people are going to go. But let's say that we split the difference and we go Trump and Haley. Yeah, that would put Nikki Haley at 37, but that still puts Trump at some 55, which is just such an incredibly dominant position. The next one, though, is this is the true money because how different groups of New Hampshire Republicans plan on voting. And they actually have a head-to-head here of Trump and Nikki Haley. So for example, New Hampshire potential GOP primary voters are all, 52%, as we just said. Registered Republicans, this is a very clear number, 64% Trump, 22% Haley. Registered undeclared, 38% Trump, 48% Haley. So she's winning there amongst those undeclared voters. Extremely motivated to vote. That seems like a category I would want. 58% Trump, 30% Haley. No college degree, 60-27. College graduates, here's another big flag. 39% Trump, 43% Haley. Very conservative, Trump 78. Somewhat conservative, Trump 57. Moderate liberal, 
Trump 29, Nikki Haley 56. Are you noticing a trend here? And then also amongst those who believe that Biden won due to fraud, 82% Trump, 6% Haley. Biden won fairly, 14% Trump, 71% Haley. Abortion should be legal in all cases, 38% Trump, 49% Haley. And then finally, Trump sh uh, abortion should be illegal in all cases, 72-14. What do you make of all this, Ryan? To me, it's just, it's yeah, just she, such an obvious class. Yeah, I mean, know. Haley's, Haley's right. got the people that we understand as never Trumpers. Right. These are suburban voters yep. who are just appalled by Trump. They're mm -hmm. more moderate. They're they're a little wealthier. Uh, they, they went to college. They uh, have been gravitating towards the Democratic Party. A lot of these, for whatever reason, kind of are, kind of are the the ones who are lagging behind in the in the realignment. Mm -hmm. But th that's who they are. Yep. And yeah, they don't like Trump. And so what what Haley has been doing is that she has been consolidating the support of those never Trump type voters. But she has not been peeling any support away exactly from Trump, right. which is the key. Yeah, I mean, that's just such a problem for her. And then let's put the final slide, please, guys, up there on the screen. And what we can see here is Trump has a big advantage over Haley in trust to handle immigration and the economy. Those are important because those are the two most important issues for Republican voters. So, for example, on immigration policy, you can see that 62% say Trump, 26% say Nikki Haley. On economic policy, you've got 58 Trump, 29 Nikki Haley. Foreign policy, it's 57 Trump, 32 Nikki Haley. Abortion is actually the only one where there's a little bit of a split, only 40% Trump, but obviously still got the plurality there. Something interesting uh, that was flagged to me, Ryan, was that the economy numbers actually were a big one for Trump, that he was actually consolidated over time. And the reason why is those social security ads that he's mm -hmm. been running, those social security ads have just been killing Nikki Haley with a lot of older GOP voters, people who, you know, we had that one woman in the ad, she said, I may vote for myself or I'll vote for Biden, but people in that age group, especially 60 plus, and remember, this is the vast majority of the people are gonna vote in the primary and frankly, in the election too. So you always gotta yeah. wrap your head around that. And in that, what do we see? Trump domination. That social security policy might be the single most popular thing that he actually believes in this primary and a very hidden part of the media. media wants to talk about abortion and uh, stop the steal. Obviously, very important issues, big in 2022. Yeah. But you know, Social Security pretty important too. We don't we don't focus enough on it. The media hates yeah. Social Security. They, yeah. Like the, the media class, like yeah. the owners, uh, top editors in general, mm. are the ones who believe in their heart of hearts that Washington spends too much money and we yes. need to get our deficit under control. You know, we watched uh, that circus all throughout the Obama administration, yep. all these different efforts to cut a grand bargain uh, where you're gonna raise taxes and you're gonna cut Social Security and Medicare and you're gonna make the CBO numbers look better. Good point. And people hate that stuff. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of wealthy people in Washington are they're kind of glad that they're going to have Social Security down the line? That 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 it's, but they think of it as like gravy, mm -hmm. like it's their their IRAs, their four hundred one ks, and their kind of generational wealth, which is going to take care of them in in their retirement. That's not the case for most Americans. Most Americans believe that accurately that they paid into Medicare and Social Security, and they're relying on it uh, in in retirement. So the idea that you're going to make them work longer and get fewer benefits it is just infuriating. Yes. I mean, no, you're absolutely right. And that's part of the problem that we see overall. Now, finally, let's just put the RCP uh, numbers up there. What we've got is Real Clear Politics shows Trump at 
15 points leading currently in the RCP average. You've got the overall that you can see in almost every, there's not a single poll, Ryan, that we can see from the last couple of yeah. days that doesn't show Trump at least at 50% with over 50% in many of those. And obviously that still does not even factor in the DeSantis number. So look, if Trump wins by 60, I mean, that's just one of those where not only is it not outside the realm of possibility, I would actually consider it you know, relatively likely I'm not quite sure, you know, what exactly she's doing here. And this is her last stand, I guess you could say. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. So let's move on to the predictions. Um, I've got crystals here that I can read for everybody, and we will see. Okay, so she says this is going to be 55-40 Trump over Nikki Haley. Now, we're also going to include uh, her Democratic predictions because these are interesting. 62% Biden, 18% for Dean Phillips, 7% for Marianne Williamson, and 3% for the ceasefire. What's your back of the napkin math for the GOP and then for the Democratic primary? What do you uh, think? I think Trump pushes like 58 yep. to about 35. Okay. Right? Like it's yeah. a, a blowout. Yeah. Uh, uh, because I think a bunch of those DeSantis people actually wind up with Trump. I agree with it's, you. It, it's not as simple as people think that oh, Trump and DeSantis only. Mm-hmm. DeSantis and Haley don't like each other either. And exactly also there's right. some, like some people just don't like Nikki Haley. Yeah, and DeSantis yeah. endorsed Trump, right? Right, so, yeah, that right. yeah that's, that's not nothing. Right. Uh, a dem- Democratic side, I think Trump, I think Biden may be 50. 
mm-hmm. or slightly less. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna have to write him in. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a yeah. lot of work. Now, writing yeah. campaigns so, work. You know, have succeeded. Murkowski and all that, but it's rare. It's a, it's a rare and thing. So maybe right. maybe I think Crystal's probably about yeah. right. Maybe Dean Phillips pushes close to twenty. Mm-hmm. Mar- Marianne pushes close to ten. Uh, ceasefire. We'll talk later in the show about this. Probably is going to be lucky to get like a thousand votes yeah. total because right. it's it's very late. It's yes. an unusual thing. Yes, people are like, "What do you mean, write in ceasefire? Do right. we get a ceasefire if it wins?" Right. Um, <laughs> it could shock people. Uh, DMFI, the the pro-Israel group, uh-huh. is just wrote yesterday to the New Hampshire uh, Secretary of State saying, "Don't even count them." Mm. Uh, so okay. at least there's some concern out yeah. there. Yeah. That, well, they don't know what the number overperform. period. Even a thousand is a thousand too. It's yeah. like one too many. Uh, okay, so mine. I actually think I'm gonna go Trump 60. I think he's gonna break the 60% okay. threshold. He's got, to, he's you know, momentum is on his side. Everything is going. Just the energy that we see. New Hampshire was already Trump country back in 2016. Yeah. You've got tons there. Sure, you know the New Hampshire uh, establishment is behind Nikki Haley. No, who gives a, you know, like whatever. <laughs> who, who are they? L- look yeah. at Iowa. You know, yeah, you know, the freaking governor of the state endorsed Ron DeSantis. How much good did that do for him? So okay, you know, everyone's like, oh, Chris Sununu. I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, yeah. he's. They the like Sununu, but yeah. they don't. They don't they're, listen they're, to him, and they're also not electing a governor of New Hampshire. Exactly right. Right. So how they would vote for their senator, and look, we've seen this previously. Yeah. They can vote. They elect Democratic senators when it's a general yeah. election, but not in a primary. That's not how it, things work. Remember who yeah. they put up in their they senatorial that, candidate? That, that wild yeah, general. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How did that go? Yeah. But my point just Government. being that the electorate, the primary electorate, very very different. So we can keep that. I think Trump is going to beat that. I think uh, Nikki Haley lucky to get thirty five something percent of the vote. And then the big question is: uh, Is she going to drop out? tonight, you know, mm-hmm. if she does not cross that threshold, if she doesn't win the primary, because we got to set the calendar up for everybody. We have to remember the South Carolina primary is more than a month now away after this. So you got to twist in the wind for a whole month before you're about to play in your own staring, home state. Staring at polls show you down, showing you down by 40 points in your own home doesn't state. Make Ka- Kamala sense. Harris dropped out uh, because she didn't want to get rinsed in California. Yes, exactly. Right, which was ahead of Super Tuesday, or no, no, not Super Tuesday, but I think a little bit afterwards. The, they revised the, it. Yeah, the, yeah. the mail-in voting ca- started very early, but right. it was a Super Tuesday. So yeah. we can just surmise, like, it's very possible that if Trump absolutely romps, I think a 60 would do it. I think that would be enough to push her out. But listen, she's a narcissist. Who knows? You know, some donors enjoy lighting their cash on fire, so maybe they're going <laughs> to keep doing that. It's, it's certainly possible. Uh, for the uh, Democratic primary, I— I tend to agree with you. I think Crystal's underestimating Dean here a little bit. She has Dean at 18. I'm going to give him 35. I just hmm. think that, you know, being on the ballot counts. Being on the ballot matters. It's just one of those is easier. It's going to be, you know, near the top of the ticket. Yeah. It's got the one with the most, quote, unquote, name ID that actually is there. You know, putting ceasefire and writing in Joe Biden, that takes some effort. I think he'd be lucky to crack 50. Marianne, I mean, her campaign has just really struggled. I haven't seen a poll with her above three, so I'm not even sure I would give her the 7%. Ceasefire, I'm with you. I don't even think it rates. Maybe less than one percent. Yeah, I think less than one yeah. percent. Just yeah, I think you, you're going to be counting ceasefire in numbers of votes rather yeah. than rather than in percentages. But I think I think you're right that you know pe- people have been uh, telling pe- telling pollsters you know eighteen percent or mm-hmm. whatever for for Dean Phillips, but they've also been telling pollsters they badly do not want Biden yes. to run for president. Right, and so voting against somebody against somebody against him. You know, voting for somebody against mm-hmm. him is a way to protest that. The other way to protest it is just to not show up. So I think I I would guess like you have lower turnout than That's before. Because if you're a Democrat, you can either go out, vote for somebody you don't really like, uh, vote for these two other candidates that are are on the ballot, but you don't 
really have much passion for. Mm -hmm. Or you can mess around and maybe jump over into the Republican primary and vote for Nikki Haley, you don't really like either. Yeah. And it's not even gonna matter because Trump's gonna win either way. So I think a decent number of them stay home. Um, on the other hand, they have so much pride in their, their little New Hampshire primary. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's my thing. Is that, that, that the he did are snub go. them. He yeah. certainly did. So I think yeah. there's a I think there's a chance at the you, there could be least. a shockingly low number. That's possible. Yeah. Right. So yeah. let's go through the scenario. So like very very low turnout, which Biden win, but maybe Dean over performance. There could be medium turnout, which actually again I would put Dean a little bit higher up in there. Here's the question too. Yeah. Polls have Biden beating Trump in New Hampshire lately, up, mm -hmm. up by like five yeah, points a or so. Points. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how many votes Trump gets compared to Biden. And I think the media might pick up on that because Trump could actually end up getting in a competitive Republican primary more votes than Biden gets in an uncompetitive one. Right. And that would, I mean, to a certain extent, though, it's like, what is that? We're comparing apples to oranges because you got a competitive primary versus non-competitive primary. So it's not exactly the best barometer. But yeah, you're right. It's certainly something that we will look at. Uh, like we said, we're going to have breaking news on that actually tonight. Uh, so you can look forward to that. And then we will also have a show tomorrow morning. All right. So let's actually go to the Democratic primary. As we said, there's a very strange thing happening in the state of New Hampshire. We've gotten a little bit of inklings, Ryan, about the Biden campaign getting worried about this. Now they're telling people, to go and write in Biden, even though they're like, oh, we don't actually care, but we, now we do care. So they're, they're panicking yeah. a little bit. And one of the instances you could know this is that there are now robocalls with deep fakes of Biden's voice actually telling people across the state to not vote tomorrow because it's important that you save your vote for the November election. Pretty sure it doesn't work that way, but uh, let's take a listen. And again, this is going out to a lot of people in New Hampshire. Let's take a listen to this. We know the value of voting Democratic when our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. We'll need your help in electing Democrats up and down the ticket. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. So it's a deep, well, well, yeah, deep, well. deep fake Biden telling yeah. people not to vote for Biden. What do you make of this? So obviously, these are all these dark money groups. You never know who's actually behind this stuff. I mean, I'm not going to say it's connected to the DNC or whatever, but clearly someone on behalf of Biden is putting this out for a reason. It's they so, don't want people to come out to vote. Why would somebody on behalf of Biden, though, want him not to vote so that they can say, well, we didn't lose because we didn't try? Yeah, something like that. I think they were. I think they just want him. Or may, maybe you're right. Maybe it's a what do you think? It's an anti-Biden. It's Marianne. Uh, oh, right. I think I'm that was sure that was so. actually Marianne's voice. <laughs> and she was impersonating Biden. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and uh, it's just one of those. Where was where, Dean Phillips last night? So, I mean, already, though, this is getting attention. The New Hampshire attorney general is actually investigating whether this is a voter suppression. Oh, it absolutely or, is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely is. Is for, there's First yeah. Amendment carve out when it comes to election, like deliberate misinformation around, like you, you're not allowed to say uh, voting day is Monday. Right, exactly. When it's actually yeah. Tuesday, unless, unless you can prove to a jury that you really are an idiot and didn't mm -hmm. know. But like, that's illegal. Like what, what you just heard, um, deep faking the president's voice and then and telling them not to vote. Also, it should be legal to make so little sense yeah, like it's a crime was, against logic. Yeah, you can was, vote in both the primary and the general. Like obviously, is, people do it all the time. That is quite legal. Here's what's a little weird, Ryan. The message has a phone number at the end that belongs to the former Democratic chair of the New Hampshire primary, who now runs a super PAC, which is supporting 
the New Hampshire write-in campaign for Biden. So that's, that's I mean, that that's probably somebody like planting drugs on somebody, okay. right? All right. Yeah, I think it's that's that's trying to point fingers. So according to her, she says uh, in an interview that she began receiving Sunday evening calls for people who had received the message. She says that she had called her. Uh, she was not a Biden supporter. She says that you know they had nothing to do with it. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going that's on wild. here. But we can track it and we can just say something is happening. There's definitely a voter suppression effort uh, which is going on in state. Let's put this up there as well. Which just shows you a little bit of his panic. This is from the New York Times, and again, I want to get some of your analysis. They say that while they are, you know, they don't care necessarily about the New Hampshire ballot because they're not on it after moving the primary to South Carolina, that, quote, they're still hoping that he will win. Um, and by doing that, they're actually spending a decent amount of money on the write-in. So I'm curious what you think um, of this. What, what, is this something that's coming back to bite them? Are they actually panicking? You covered a lot in terms of the way they rigged the Democratic primary. Maybe mm -hmm. give, give people some background on that. Too. And the, the, the background yeah. around this particular fight is that uh, Biden wanted to basically reward uh, South Carolina um, you know, for making him yeah. president right. by making South Carolina the first primary. They also punished Iowa, got rid of the Iowa caucuses after that. That one's fair. This one's yeah, fair. Yeah, come yeah. on. <laughs> and also, Iowa was helpful to Democrats because it was a swing state for so long. Right. Not a swing state anymore. Yeah. We used to say that uh, elections uh, you know, started in Iowa and finished in Florida. Mm -hmm. Not true anymore. Right. Both are red states at this right. point. And so Iowa's gone. New Hampshire then, always first in the uh, nation primary. And they would say, look, it, it's right in our constitution. They love telling people that their constitution says they have to be the first primary. And the DNC is like, we don't really care what your constitution says. Mm -hmm. Like we can set the primary. And we're making the first one South Carolina. New Hampshire said, screw you, we're, we're holding one anyway. And so Biden was like, well, then I'm not going to be on the ballot. Like, we're, we are, we're not going to sanction this. We're not going to participate in it. Right. But it, it's so ingrained in people's minds that if you even travel to New Hampshire to this day, mm -hmm. even, even though it's not a sanctioned primary, let's say six months ago, somebody, a Democrat traveled to New Hampshire. Oh, look, look, look at that. Uh, mm. Gavin Newsom going to New Hampshire. I got Maybe you. he wants to be president. Right, right. So it's. The mythology around it is still like locked into people's minds. And so as it gets closer and as Biden's numbers continue to plummet, they, they reckoned that they just simply could not withstand getting annihilated in, in a state like New Hampshire that has this mythology around mm -hmm. it. So now, right, you've got these Biden allies who are like, we can't, we can't have this. We need to write Biden in. And then if we can you know, write in with Biden, if we can, right. if we can get that going... <laughs> then we can show that there's an, that the grassroots support is really there for him. It was New Hampshire that knocked LBJ out. Yes, that's right. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of mythology around yeah. New Hampshire. You can go both ways, right? So New Hampshire is what saved the Bill Clinton campaign back mm -hmm. in 92. New Hampshire is really the first state that Donald Trump ever won. So the two of them have a lot of affinity for that. Iowa, that's like an Obama state. That's where Obama yeah. was able to launch 2008, but he ended up losing New Hampshire. So there's a lot of things Hillary that we can- Hillary yeah, famously Hillary crying famous, in the diner. Was, there was also the Tabasco thing. If, am, I, am I forgetting? Was that right around the same time? I think it was around the same time. I'll never personally never forget that moment. Um, but hey, let's get and think about some of the closing pitches. So as we already predicted, I think Dean is going to actually do a little bit better than a lot of people are expecting just because his name is literally on the ballot. And uh, Dean gave his final closing argument in a video that was posted yesterday to New Hampshire voters. Let's take a listen. Well, tomorrow is the big day, January 23rd, the first in the nation primary right here in the Granite State. And I've spent the better part of the last three months with so many of you Democrats, independents, Republicans, libertarians, 
And I just want to say thank you. It's been a remarkable experience. I know how to do this. I'm the second most bipartisan member of the entire US Congress. I came from the business world where you could never succeed by demeaning, endangering half of your customers. You actually do the opposite. You invite people, you listen to them, you learn them, you welcome them. That's what I'm gonna do as president. We're gonna solve these problems by working together. I'm gonna to take what I learned here and spread it all around the world. The way you practice democracy, what you've shared with me, and most of all, how we're gonna fix it. So if you're ready for change, I'm ready to be your president. Just an uber normal pitch there. I mean, in a sane world, I think something like that would have worked. But the thing is, Ryan, I mean, you know, we covered this before. MSNBC literally did refuse to have this man on. He hmm. still has not done an interview on the network. And the, the reason why is MSNBC knows that the Democrats actually trust the media. They are. I've seen a few things. The Financial Times had a piece on him, the Wall Street Journal as well. Let's be real. Like, that's not going to make any difference. Like, it's all no. about television, and it's all just, for, especially for a lot of these boomers. The world that they're living in is one where, and if it does not on linear TV, it doesn't exist. And so Dean's had a rough time. He had a campaign event where nobody showed up. But I'm just not going to discount your name being on the ballot. I just think that's, you know, that's a massive yeah. strategic advantage. And he, he never made a case for like who he was or what why he was running. He started out with like this Medicare for all, and he's, he was for free college. And so mm -hmm. you you thought for a second that this guy who had been this centrist kind of uh, lawmaker is now going to kind of run. He sees like room to Biden's left. That didn't really catch on because it. I think it it just didn't map to him. Right. Like you you see that closing ad, where, where do you see Medicare for all and like free college fitting into that ad? Like mm -hmm. I'm the most bipartisan guy out there. And, and so uh, after after that fell apart, he goes back to I'm the bipartisan guy. And then you're just Biden, except, you know, cogent. And at that point, you're like, well, we already have Biden. Well, and, Biden and if you coach, it's not a terrible pitch. It, it, I mean, something. Could work. Yeah. You, people would have to know who he is. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like I think Biden, but Cogent could be like a Newsom, mm -hmm. um, but he's he's already understood to be like a threat. Like to get it, to get next to him, to get onto MSNBC requires you uh, to have a little bit more kind of muscle behind you. That's a good point. Uh, we also have some uh, video of Marianne Williamson in one of her last campaign events that she posted yesterday. Let's take a listen to her closing pitch. We have always been this kind of bipolar American mind. We have always been this inherent struggle. It's in the DNA of this country. Other generations rose up and they responded to the Gilded Age. They responded to it with the establishment of the labor movement. Other generations rose up, and they responded to institutionalized suppression of black people and segregation in the American South. I'm running for president because it's our turn now. All right, so we'll see how it goes. I mean, Marianne, Crystal said this yesterday, I think it was totally true. Uh, on Israel, seems to have just fumbled the ball because it's like, clearly that's an animating issue mm -hmm. against Biden. Dean is pro-Israel from what we've seen in Crystal's interviews with him. So obviously that's just something that's just on the table. And now you've got these ceasefire votes, which may even draw away from Marianne. But by not making her name synonymous with that, I think she risked the only chance of cracking, let's say seven to 10%, which yeah. look, I mean, at the end of the day, that's not just not gonna cut it, period. Right. It doesn't really matter. But you know, if we're thinking about seven to 10, it's a lot different. Seven to 10 is a lot different than three, maybe four. Like, we don't know where that's going to end up. I think there was absolutely a path for a credible candidate um, to take a, uh, a critical of Israel position mm -hmm. over the last three months mm -hmm. and, and put real pressure on Biden. Separately, this is another conversation we can have another time. It'd be fascinating if RFK 
uh, were in that camp. Yes, that's a good. That point. would be that. That'd be and and it, the parallels would be amazing for you know to 1968 and, and LBJ and anti-war. I mean, I think he would win. I don't think there's any. I think he might win. win the new but he's he, but he's yeah. like to the right of Biden on yeah. Israel. So it's just not true in the world of possibility. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those where I think he would definitely win a New Hampshire primary just because, again, name ID mm-hmm. on the ballot. That's just one. He was already doing well there anyway. So it's one of yeah. those where he decided to go independent. I get it. You know, he's, he's the DNC was, you know, working against him and all that. He just didn't identify with the party anymore. But, we, you know, you cannot ever forget this. Getting on the ballot is really hard. Right, yeah. The California <laughs> does not want you on the ballot. We were looking <laughs> yesterday. It, it takes like a hundred and something thousand signatures. And look, the signature wars are nuts. It requires you to get like 30% more than you actually need mm-hmm. because lawyers are going to challenge the validity. And even if you get totally legit ones, if you don't write legibly or if you don't write the proper address, or something, there's all kinds of legal tricksters that the Republicans and the Democrats it's have used really tough. in these states. Yeah, I mean, Texas, same thing. Good luck getting on the ballot in some big states with 30, 40, 50 electoral votes like in these ones. And that's what you actually need to really compete, you know, and actually to draw some stakes away. So look, keep that in mind as we continue to cover the RFK Jr. campaign. Right now, he's only still on the ballot in Utah. Uh, he's got some time, you know, he's got a little bit of time, but some of the filing deadlines and all that stuff are coming up. Yeah. It takes a hell of a lot of organization. So right. final thoughts on the Democratic primary tonight? What do you think? I, I, I it's, it's a rare primary where I really don't know what's gonna happen because of all these different variables, the write-in, the absolute disgust uh, with Biden, but the uh, the anemic performance of his opponents. Yeah. And so it just leaves you know so much room for people to have to to, to have a bunch of difficult and, and like unpleasant decisions in front of them, mm-hmm. trying to express something to a system that doesn't want to hear from them and doesn't give them a a good way to actually express anything. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I, like I said, I I think Dean will overperform a bit, but in general, there's some tough, you know, some tough work right now just for everybody going against him. And unfortunately, I think Biden's basically gotten away with rigging the primary. I think it's unfortunate. You know, you basically- Yeah, it's crazy. You get to deem a state which by all means is a totally in the tank for you with the most machine politics, arguably in the whole country, whenever it comes to a primary. And it's a red state. Like both of these primaries, first primaries should obviously be in actual swing states. I've always thought Michigan was a great pick, something genuinely 50-50 industrial working class, or you could go the other way. You could say Super Tuesday should go first and everybody should be forced to compete national, but people just basically rigging things for themselves. It's not right. And, you know, prior to uh, Biden, nobody even dared to try, but he had the opportunity and decided to pick it. And I've said here before, you know, if you can go into this too, you know, Obama will never happen again. That type of scenario, mm-hmm. it, it will never happen. The insurgent cannot win if South Carolina is going to be number one. It's going to be incredibly difficult if you got the establishment there. It, it'd, be, it'd be very hard. Uh, but the, it, it's, it's not it's not completely impossible. But the other thing that's changing is that these races are now so national. Like True. even back in 2007, when uh, Obama is running in Iowa, he could be a lot more popular in Iowa than he could be nationally. Yeah, that's true. Now, for the most part, the national your national polls have have a gravitational pull on your on your regional and local mm-hmm. polls. That the the moments where you're going to have somebody who's doing extremely well in a state but not doing well nationally are basically gone. Yeah, because we are now a national culture and a national media environment. Uh, getting because we're all in the same, you know, slightly tweaked feeds from TikTok, Twitter, and everybody else. <laughs> yeah. And so, 
that that's the other reason that you're not going to have somebody that can kind of come from come from nowhere because you have to have nat you and the only reason that Obama got the national uh, numbers that he did was by winning Iowa. Exactly. Uh, right. That showed that he could win, and so then other people were like, "Oh, if he can win, then I'm with him." And if and it, but if you don't have that chicken, if you don't have that egg, you can't get the chicken. Very 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 true. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews, were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. From serum sets to the always sold out retinol alternative TBT cream, you'll find your perfect skincare match. Dime has over 2 million happy customers and their product reviews are literally five stars. Love your skin again. Go to DimeBeautyCO.com for 20% off with code GETDIME. That's DimeBeautyCO.com, code GETDIME for 20% off. Joining us now is Andrew Valinsky. He is a organizer and former New Hampshire, let me get this correctly, former executive counselor in New Hampshire, and he is an organizer in the Write-In Ceasefire campaign. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Andrew, you sent us a picture of your ballot. We're going to edit it and put it up on the screen. You have written in ceasefire there, and you've been an organizer in kind of this last-minute movement. Well, give us some of the reasoning behind wanting folks to write in ceasefire on the New Hampshire ballot as opposed to rallying around a different candidate. Well, in New Hampshire, first in the primary means uh, – first in the nation primary means that we have a great deal of responsibility to make our concerns known, and our vote is our agency. Um, I watched on October 7th uh, as the attack happened and hostages were taken uh, in horror. Um, and then I kept watching in November and December, and I saw the Israeli siege of Gaza, the destruction of the healthcare system, uh, the apparently indiscriminate bombing of non-combatants, and, and not enough response from the Biden administration. Mm -hmm. And so in the middle of December, I and a letter to the editor uh, telling everyone that I was going to write the words ceasefire on my ballot. Uh, that's where it started about 10 days ago. Other people started reaching out to me. Um, and now this effort has taken off with 
coverage on shows like yours, uh, press coverage and Politico, Nation, uh, HuffPost, uh, Al Jazeera, HaRetz, uh, the Boston Globe. Um, it's really gotten a, a bit of a life of its own. And we hope to send a message um, to the president about our concerns, um, in particular, the, the violence uh, that's happening um, perpetrated by the Netanyahu government. In the time between your letter to the editor being published and, say, 10 days ago when you started to get some you know, modest financial support from around the country to actually you know, turn this into a real campaign, how much traction had it gotten just kind of virally grassroots word of mouth wise in, in those couple of weeks? Or are we really only looking at the last 10 days as a serious effort? So I, I have a decent uh, following here in New Hampshire. Uh, and so there was um, response by, uh, I would say the people most interested in social justice issues uh, in our state um, and some rather colorful uh, responses complaining about my letter um, were anatomically incorrect, um, but um, picked up really, and, and this isn't just the influence of other people. In New Hampshire's primary, focus really grows in that last week to 10 days and builds right through to the primary. So the idea that it was somewhat limited and then exploded um, isn't that unusual here. Now, you, you, recent, you recently had the Secretary of State announce that they actually would be tallying uh, you know, the number of people who wrote in ceasefire. You've also had uh, a super PAC called Democratic Majority for Israel has written to the Secretary of State, kind of urging them to reverse that decision. Uh, so where, where, where does that stand? Well, when will we learn how many people wrote in ceasefire? So I spoke directly to the secretary yesterday, late morning. Uh, he told me that all the write-in votes would be counted uh, and that he was intending to report both the Biden write-ins and the ceasefire uh, write-ins. Uh, ceasefire doesn't have a million two in a pack behind it. Uh, last night sometime, um, uh, a pro-Israel PAC wrote to the secretary uh, complaining that it was uh, illegal um, to uh, report the ceasefire results. Um, I disagree with their analysis. I've done election law in New Hampshire for the last 25 years. I don't think uh, they have a leg to stand on. Um, but there's been no announcement um, by the secretary that he's going to change his position. Um, and I expect uh, later this evening after the polls close, uh, the secretary will announce the ceasefire write-in votes. Andrew, while we have you, it's the day of the election um, and all that. Just w what's the feeling? You know, you were elected in the state of New Hampshire. Uh, what is the feeling there of being bypassed by the Biden White House, or by the DNC, by Biden, and this current now effort to do a write-in campaign for Biden? How does that make people feel, voters there? Well, I, I, I understand uh, the arguments that a more diverse state uh, should go first. Um, but someone at the DNC should have looked at our laws. We have a particular statute that says New Hampshire has to hold its primary seven days before the next primary. Caucuses don't count. Um, 
the Democratic Party lost the governor's race, the state house and the state Senate. So it's all Republican controlled. Uh, there was zero chance that the Republican controlled legislature was going to repeal that statute to accommodate the DNC. It was probably one of the dumber moves I've seen uh, for the DNC to change the order, not recognizing that the secretary of the state was legally bound uh, to hold the primary when he's holding it. So it's been an odd primary. You've got this supposed small time grassroots effort to write in the president. And then Washington Post yesterday reported it's backed by a million two in a pack. Um, you have Republicans dropping in and dropping out almost by the minute. Uh, so now that it's a Haley and Trump race, mm -hmm. uh, our very popular governor backing Haley, we'll see how that works out. Um, you have two unknowns running uh, as Democrats, um, Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson. Um, there's also an interesting comedian named Berman Supreme. Okay, uh, well, ballot. don't want to erase him. And Vermin Supreme's goal is to beat Dean Phillips. So it's, uh, <laughs> there you have it. Okay. Uh, what's, what's your sense of where the, the ceasefire votes are going to come from? Are they pulling from Vermin Supreme? Are they pulling from Biden, uh, Marianne, Dean? Uh, why not uh, in, you know, endorse a candidate who's for a, a ceasefire? What was your thinking there? And what's your, what's well, your a, you know, go ahead and I have a follow-up. That was intentional. Uh, I, I am not interested in replacing Joe Biden. Uh, I didn't want to support a person um, who would then be a threat to the president in the November election. I wanted him to do better by recognizing the importance of this issue in the one way that he seems to pay attention, which is to the vote. So if we get people to go out and actually mark their ballots with a vote, we're in a position where President Biden can veto UN resolutions, but he can't veto the vote. Yeah. And this effort has grown. There are another 10 or 15 states now looking at repeating this effort of writing in ceasefire instead of backing a third party candidate or a farm team candidate like Phillips and, and Williamson. Interesting. What's what's your number in your mind as the votes are counted that would be a success for you and that would land, you know, for the president? I you know, it's not a specific number. So part of it starts with the coverage we're currently receiving across the nation in a big way. Um, turnout is supposed to be high on the Republican side. It's not clear to me that it will be as high. Uh, it likely won't be as high on the Democratic side. So getting um, a number of votes, enough that show up, that make a difference, um, I, I'll be happy with that. But quite frankly, given all of the attention that's been paid to this and people now talking ceasefire, why isn't the president doing more? We've already won. Hmm. What, what kind what kind of blowback have you gotten from uh, other Democrats over this? Because I've heard people complain that this is going to give people the idea in November that they should do this. Uh, so ha have you heard that from people and, or, and what have you heard? Yeah, so I, I'm being called an anti-Semitic bigot a lot, <laughs> um, 
which is kind of amusing because I'm a former synagogue Sunday school teacher mm-hmm. and my wife was president of our synagogue. Um, so it just shows you how quickly and how crass people become. Uh, the organized democratic leadership in our state has put out all kinds of rumors that the votes won't be counted, that uh, we have a couple of special elections in addition to the primary, that those votes won't be counted. None of that is true. Uh, The votes will be counted and ceasefire has no impact on the local elections. Um, We've heard stories about how this is gonna keep uh, poll workers late into the night. Um, I talked to the secretary and he said, no, we count write-ins in the usual course. This isn't that big a deal. It's basically a one-position race um, to today, and we'll get the votes out, and we'll tally them, and we'll report them this evening. Very, very interesting stuff, sir. Uh, we appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll be we'll be watching the results tonight. So, thank you very much. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews? Were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. From serum sets to the always sold out retinol alternative TBT cream, you'll find your perfect skincare match. Dime has over 2 million happy customers, and their product reviews are literally five stars. Love your skin again. Go to dimebeautyco.com for 20% off with code GETDIME. That's Dime beautyco.com code get dime for 20% off at the same time electoral wise we always got to keep an eye on this let's put this up there on the screen trump remains the most blessed man in the u.s <laughs> legal system i mean the georgia case ryan was one where he had a lot of problems you know there was not the same constitutional questions around state election law they genuinely can indict and prosecute whomever they want it's because it's totally under their purview in terms of how they view election interference, et cetera. And the lead prosecutor there, Fannie Willis, seemed to have a pretty good case. She had one, look, regardless of whether you think it was legit or not, she had people flipping, including Sidney Powell and all of these other individuals who worked for Trump and, you know, including his lawyer and process, you know, all of them were cooperating. Well, it then comes out, you know, soon afterwards, just in the last month or so, that 
the person that she had chosen as the case's lead prosecutor may have been involved in a tumultuous affair with Fannie Willis, all stemming from his divorce case. So let's just keep this up there so I can read from it. It says that the future of this election interference can now hinge on a bitter divorce case playing out in the suburbs of Atlanta, involving the case's lead prosecutor, his estranged wife, and the testimony she is now seeking from Fannie Willis, who the estranged wife says is his alleged paramour. Now, it appears that this is going to actually be unsealed. Emergency court hearing just yesterday evening, the judge it says that a decision on the question of whether Willis can be called as a, te- as a, a for testimony in this divorce case, Nathan Wade, will be stayed. Now, what this means is that right now, the co-defendant, one of Trump's actual co-defendants, he's the one who unearthed this because he discovered that the two were, quote, having an improper clandestine personal relationship that has now financially benefited both. I actually think the financial part of this, Ryan, could be some of the most damaging because this gentleman, um, Nathan Wade, who Fannie Willis tapped, had very little experience and has now made hundreds of thousands of dollars paid by the state in legal expenses. So, I mean, this is, you know, classic problems for dismissal that could be challenged, especially if something like this comes out. Willis herself, I mean, is one where, look, you should always take this with a grain of salt, but here's what the ex or the estranged wife says. She says, Willis is trying to hide under the shield of her position to avoid testimony. We are not seeking her position deposition as the district attorney of Fulton County. We are seeking the deposition in individual capacity as the alleged paramour of my client's husband. So whatever her job is, it has nothing to do with whether or not she should have to sit for a deposition. Now, Fannie Willis's attorney says that the knowledge that she may or may not have about Wade and his marriage, quote, is not unique. You have got two parties in this case, one that is alleged to have an extramarital affair. If that's the case, if that is true, Nathan Wade has that information. So pretty noteworthy their own attorney is not denying <laughs> that this is true, which, I mean, to me, it seems pretty true. Look, allegedly for the, Mrs. Willis's <laughs> lawyers, I'm just saying, you know, for my own reading of the facts that are publicly available, which you have not disputed, it's not looking good for you. Uh, I mean, I, I can't believe this, Ryan. I said this last time with Chris. It's like, what? <clears throat> Trump has truly been touched by God. Like, I, I, there's no other explanation. And I don't even believe in God. The, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, like, jo- like, the Georgia case was always, to me, the <laughs> the biggest threat to Trump. This is the go find me the votes case. I, it's unbelievable. This is the one where he straight up got on a call with the state's yeah. secretary of state right. and instructed his team, find me 11,000 X number of votes so that we flip this thing and I become president. Right. Like, just seems like blatant criminality at, on on tape. Uh, and like you said, she she's a hard charging prosecutor. Right. She's got people flipping. She's got people ready to testify, grand juries, <laughs> ready to go. And then boom, because Trump doesn't have to necessarily win here. What Trump needs to do yeah, is to exactly. Raise de- questions. delay this boom. long yeah. enough that it's too close to the election right. and you can't, can't prosecute it anymore. There's nothing better than a divorce case when it comes to opposition researchers mm. and the journalists who are looking to dig into public figures because <laughs> That is when it all comes out. Now you also have to take everything with a of grain course, of salt. Yeah, I'm couching it. Be like, like, this is the guy's ex or estranged right. wife. Okay? There's nobody, nobody more yeah. motivated than somebody filing, uh, you know, a divorce case against. Because yes. divorces are all divorces are hard, uh, but divorces that wind up in court mm-hmm. where pu- filings are public, public yeah. 
the, that's like the top 10% of, of divorces because they've gone past the place where you're going to amicably settle anything, gone past the place where you're even just going to go to court. You're, you're now like airing everybody's dirty laundry. Mm. And in some cases, you're just making up dirty laundry and, and airing it. Like that absolutely happens. But like you said, doesn't, doesn't look good in terms of, good. terms of the response. Right. Now, what does this have to do with the case? You know, not really anything in the sense that, like that doesn't change the kind of facts of the case of what Trump did or what the prosecutor has. Uh, she had, Fannie Willis, at her defense, she said, look, there's, there are three, uh, you, know, you know, made primary attorneys that I've hired on this case, mm-hmm. all friends of mine, uh, a, a black man, a white man, and a white woman. Uh, it, it's unfair that they're only coming after uh, the black man and accusing me of this, uh, you know, Im- improper relationship. On the other hand, a lot of people are saying, you know, they're, as Trump would say, many people are saying. Yeah, I mean, here's <laughs> the thing, though, but, Ryan. It's like, well, it's Look, part of, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I mean, I mean, more in looking at this, they allegate, like, she's not denying some of the substance of this stuff. For example, the man's been paid 650 grand charged mm-hmm. in the state of Georgia. Now, uh, also- The travel stuff is the, problematic. This is what I was about yeah. to get to. They say that there were many questions about trips that Mr. Wade paid for and took with Ms. Willis as county officials are prohibited from receiving anything of value from people doing business with the county. So. Literally, if he paid for a hotel room or something that she happened to be in, again, allegedly, that if she did not immediately reimburse him for that half or she took trips or accepted airplane tickets and all these things, this is cut and dry corruption stuff. And these laws are in place yeah. exactly for a reason. Now, maybe she can make restitution, she can pay it back or something like that. But again, we're talking in the court, not only of public opinion, we're talking about in courts of law. This is the exact type of stuff and get a case thrown yeah. out. Or they can delay it, like you said. If you get the lead prosecutor removed from a case, then you know so much is going to happen now, legally, in terms of pushing that back. If you push it back after the 2024 deadline, boom, now Trump literally could be the president right. again. Now he's got immunity. There's all kinds of different things going on. Right, so the yeah. lead prosecutor plus one of the top three kind of secondary prosecutors. Yeah. But yeah, you t- if you take the, roman- the potential romantic relationship out of it, these are standard kickback laws. Like in other words, a, a prosecutor cannot pay somebody right. or any, any state official, you can't pay somebody and then they give you 10% back. Right. That's a kickback. Yes. That's, yeah. Those are banned. And so the, if there is evidence of him k- kicking things back to her, that falls under the kickback laws. Even if it wasn't t- a kickback because she, you know, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't paying him so that she would get mm-hmm. paid. She was, she was, they were just going on trips together. Allegedly, irregardless, like you pick somebody, you, it, it, it's is, still illegal. You know, yeah. allegedly, you know, you got a personal relationship with, and you're, you know, you're getting them, putting them in a nice, cushy job. We don't have a lot of experience. Six hundred fifty thousand is a lot of money. Okay, that's a yes. lot of money. <laughs> that's one of those. Yeah, maybe you had to pay an associate. Okay, still pocketing a decent amount of that, and that's only just so far. If yeah. the case goes to trial, I mean, who knows? You could be making a million plus of taxpayer yeah. dollars. So keep in mind that that's just one of Trump's uh, legal issues. Don't forget, he's also got another one coming. Like, Let's put this up there. This is actually going to happen on Wednesday, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the defamation trial, round two, by the way, um, is happening now with E. Jean Carroll delaying Trump's possible testimony. The judge who is overseeing Trump's defamation trial has actually delayed those proceedings after the Tuesday primary contest, where this was complicated because it meant 
that Trump was supposed to actually offer testimony in his own defense. Uh, in the testimony, or in court, his lawyer said, my client reminded me tomorrow's the New Hampshire primary. He needs to actually be in New <laughs> Hampshire. Seems to be, you know, a decent enough excuse. A lawyer actually for E. Jean Carroll then objected to the delay, saying that they want to get this over with. Can you give people a little bit of a, pre, you know, come up with some background on the yeah. case, like with uh, E. Jean? Because this is the second yeah. defamation trial. And right. I guess we should remember, they, they found that, what they found that he defamed her, right. but they did not find that they any substance to the claim that he raped her. Okay, so I, but this is where it gets you know confusing. They, to well, me. They, they found that there's enough evidence right. uh, that her claims are solid. Okay, and that him that his attacking her over making those claims is defamation. Got it. And laid a giant judgment on him for it. He immediately defamed her after that judgment. Right. right. And. According uh, to the court, yeah. According to the or according right. to her lawsuit, yeah, yes, exactly. Right. And, well, and, and also like I, I'm to take to take a victory lap. He, yeah. he he put out a statement like right afterwards, and immediately I think it was on this show. I was like, that's the same defamation mm -hmm. that he just got nailed for. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no difference between what he just said and what the court just said mm -hmm. is defamation. And so this time when he went back to court, they skipped the whole trial. The, the whole fact-finding part of, you know, was there sexual assault? They said, we've already decided that there was. And so now the question is, these comments, do they count as defamation? So they, so they skip that. And if he, he could pay, he, you know, he's gonna get hit with another judgment. After that, he might keep defaming her. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going back. Because like, well, how much are these judgments? So like millions. How, yeah, I mean millions. Yes, now, if, is he ever going to pay? Is the question. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was an enormous amount of money. Okay, many well, millions. Maybe maybe you'll get his supporters to pay for it, like you did with the Stop the Steal. Thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, not, you can pay that. You can pay that out of your legal defense fund, right? I'm sure you can. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you could. They can find a way. So it's one of those where it probably we'll just only never makes pay. Him yeah. Stronger. He put out a truth social. Let's put this up there. Uh, here's what he had to say. He says, I traveled last night from the state of New Hampshire to New York to attend one of the crooked Joe Biden's inspired witch hunt trials, despite the fact that I was there on time and on schedule. It was then learned that one of the jurors is not feeling well. And for that reason, today's session, having to do with a woman I know nothing about, has therefore canceled with a new date to be determined. All of these various Biden political opponent trials just happen to be starting with great purpose in the middle of what will be the most election important election in the history of our country. They could have all began years ago or years after that, but certainly not during the election. In actuality, they should never should have been brought at all because I have done nothing wrong. It is what it is. I will do what I have to do. All I ask is for fair judges and juries, and I will win every single one of them. So now that's to, what the man says. Go ahead. To, to back up his uh, yeah. one of his wild claims here, he says these are uh, Biden-inspired witch hunt trials. Yeah. It is true that uh, Reed Hoffman right, the billionaire funded owner. the billionaire right. kind of supporter of Biden and opponent of Trump. Mm -hmm. um, more an opponent of Trump than he is a supporter of Biden, uh, financed the loss, financed her lawsuit. Right, like that's a fact. Like that is a fact. The uh, judge and jury still found him liable for it, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very important point. So anyway, that's what we got. Trump's la latest legal wranglings. Don't forget, I left out uh, the business case. What else? We have the January sixth case. We have the documents case. We have uh, this case, E. Jean Carroll. I believe there, I'm missing another one. There's the porn star case too. Oh, that, I that one's still. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. Anyway, I think what is it? Some 91 criminal charges and all that. And he's got to run the table on all of them. 
It's gonna be a tough bet, but uh, we'll keep you guys updated. As I said, though, there's no there's no luckier man in this world than Donald Trump whenever it comes to legal matters. In, in many ways, I f- honestly feel like he he he's like uh, some sort of like magical material which absorbs his opponent's strength, <laughs> and then it just like makes him. He's even certainly stronger. the only president in modern memory that right. looked younger when he left office. Exactly. It's very true. He's like the sort of Gryffindor yes. for any Harry Potter <laughs> nerds who are out there. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews, were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. From serum sets to the always sold out retinol alternative TBT cream, you'll find your perfect skincare match. Dime has over 2 million happy customers and their product reviews are literally five stars. Love your skin again. Go to dimebeautyco.com for 20% off with code GETDIME. That's dimebeauty.com. BeautyCO.com code get dime for 20% off. All right, let's move on to Israel. Some very, very serious news that we can report this morning. A stunning incident happening in Gaza. Let's go ahead and put this up there on the screen. We have the IDF has confirmed, you know, this says 21 Israeli soldiers. It's actually been revised this morning to 24 Israeli soldiers killed as they were rigging two buildings in southern Gaza with explosives. Hamas attacked nearby tank with RPGs and explosions in the building, causing the buildings then to collapse on top of the soldiers. This is according to the IDF. The Israeli soldiers have routinely posted these celebratory videos on social media of themselves celebrating and laughing while doing controlled demolitions of Gaza neighborhoods and others. This is noted by Jeremy Scahill. I mean, we don't know yet much about the incident, Ryan, but uh, what's your immediate reaction to this? This is this is some crazy stuff. The single yeah. deadliest incident so far in the war on Gaza for the... Um, for the IDF in this, this war. Right, this comes after they have claimed to have kind of operational control of right. major parts, if not all of uh, Gaza, which clearly is not the case. You know, if if they're, if Hamas is able to, you know, launch an attack on a tank right near a, a building that they're trying to do a controlled uh, demolition on, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about this later, but we have seen an enormous number of kind of TikTok videos and, uh, and uh, Twitter videos of soldiers, like Jeremy said, uh, celebrating 
these controlled demolitions of just in absolute entire right. We're going to get to that. We actually have uni- some of that video. Universities. Right. Let's let's play let's play some of the clips that have have gotten people so. Yeah, so I can narrate some of these. Uh, Our team went ahead and compiled. This appears to be uh, people who are IDF soldiers who are joking about finding sneakers and opening a Nike store actually in the Gaza Strip going through some of the rubble. This one here, again, these are all TikTok videos that they're openly posting inside of a classroom, kind of mocking the fact that it's an empty classroom. This is just, you know, it's it's like kids with guns screwing around on kids' bikes rolling around inside of a house like and kids have been falling forced to over. evacuate and this is dead. where thi- this is where things start to get become question marks about the literal like discipline within the IDF I mean these are guys like doing just demolition with target practice with the uh, shoulder fired <laughs> rockets and then here you've got a guy just literally unloading his clip into a wall I believe they're calling it the war on walls on social media I'm mean, just complete like lack of discipline fired I mean I just can't imagine what would happen to a US military soldier or service member serving in Iraq from you know within their own command if they were to conduct themselves like this in a single incident and so look to Israel, all we can say is war of occupation. Welcome to it. Yeah. You know, it's easy to bomb stuff. It's a lot harder when you got people on the ground. And it's not a surprise to me, Ryan, that the single deadliest incident comes what months into the war, yeah. allegedly in a safe zone. And the uh, the lack of discipline and training that these guys have is genuinely stunning to me. Like, how do you lose twenty four? guys in a single incident. I'm trying to think just off the top of my head. I believe the only time the US military would ever suffer casualties like this was like a terrible once in a decade some bunch of navy seals in a helicopter, right. you know, operation red wings like comes to mind and that's where a whole bunch of stuff goes completely wrong. This is not supposed to happen. Like period. You know, in general there's a lot of little things that go into tactics and to way that your command and all that is organized, but it's not lost on me that 21 of the 24 are confirmed reservists who were quote working to remove buildings and other infrastructure near the border. Right. For example, army combat engineers and all those, they suffered a lot, you know, with IEDs and others. So, I would just say to Israel like, you know, you broke it, now you bought it. And now you signed yourself up for th- this is the future. This is what the future is going to look like. But don't forget too, this is a small country. You only got nine million people. That's not very military right. age males and or females. People in Israel are going to be pissed about this. Already, yeah. the pr- Prime Minister Netanyahu has ordered an investigation into this. It reminds me of an incident that we covered here previously, Ryan, where it was like 10 IDF soldiers were killed in a single incident. It's like literal amateur hour. You're reading this. It's like one guy, a couple guys wandered off. They get pinned down. Then, you know, some colonel <laughs> for, for some reason is like, hey, I'm going to go and help mm-hmm. them. All, all of them get wiped out in like 15 minutes. Right. Again, like this does not happen in the U.S. military. And their total lack of uh, discipline and others is really coming back to bite them. But it also just demonstrates like you can lose a lot of people. You know, 217 is the total uh, acknowledged death toll by the IDF. We don't know what the real one is. And we definitely don't know what the wounded number is. But uh, the longer this goes on and the longer and longer you've got troops in there, that's going to keep on going. And you got you lose 24 guys, you know, even in a month, you know, you start to do the math and we start to think about yeah. the toll that's going to take on the Israeli military. The IDF is is trained and practiced as an occupation army, mm-hmm. like it, it most mostly in the West Bank, uh, that uh, or or stationed around the Gaza envelope. But in the West Bank, they are kind of raiding homes of un, mostly unarmed Palestinian civilians. Right. They can't fight uh, back. That they are yeah. they're arresting unarmed uh, Palestinians occasionally. 
once in a while there's there's actual live fire you know for, in Janine or elsewhere mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's not as if they're running up against kind of a, a trained a trained military and, right. cer- and certainly not one you know that has has had years to kind of build a tunnel infrastructure um, that that they that they can you know ex- exploit against in, in an invading force and this is all happening as Netanyahu keeps signaling that he's going to launch some type of ground invasion against southern Lebanon. Yeah, I know. Good luck. You're like, how, like, you, what you can do is you you can, you know, occupy the West Bank. Yeah. With the help of the Palestinian Authority. And if you they, can bomb. If they lose the help of the Palestinian right. Authority to do that, uh, they're in big trouble. And yes, and you can you can bomb Gaza, mm-hmm. you know, back to the Stone Age. Uh, you can kill tens of thousands of civilians under underneath rubble. Uh, but you're not an you're not a military that's that's equipped to do this type of thing. There's a column in Haaretz uh, mm-hmm. this morning, calling out this discipline that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. and and warning that the army risks losing control, complete control of these soldiers. The the columns uh, the column says warns that there could be the formation out of this of basically ga- uh, gangs of mm-hmm. like paramilitaries because you've got all of these armed young men. Who are posting on social media criticism of their superiors? Yes, yeah, I've seen this. Both yeah. civilian and military, mm-hmm. and then getting cheered on by the Ben Gavirs and the other hard right elements of of the government, and that has the potential to just spiral out of control. Like if once you have, if you have lost these uh, soldiers, and they feel like they can just publicly tell you, you know, where to shove it, mm-hmm. and they have allies in, in this factional coalition, uh, that's a recipe for a Lebanon-style debacle, mm-hmm. like a failed, like th- there is a risk of a failed state here. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great, great point. I mean, all of this, why our military is professional, it's all no. volunteer, and they spend a lot None of time on None of this would training. be tolerated for oh, a second. No, I, I remember- on TikTok? I think there was an incident where uh, guys in Syria were wearing like, they're, they were posting their running data to Strava, and it was mm-hmm. used at one point. And immediately they were like, "All right, everybody's banned from Strava. It's not going to happen." Yeah. Like right. you know, it's like nobody's. And the fact they haven't banned TikTok, I, I can't believe it. It's uh, stunning to me, genuinely, just given how much this is playing. Maybe they just don't care, or maybe because it's a reservist military, they don't want to put too much pressure on them. But like listen, I mean, I don't know enti- what you guys are doing. There are entire social media accounts that are just monitoring TikToks and just reposting. Yeah, IDF we just TikToks. played it here on our show. Yeah. it's nuts. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, there's some major diplomatic news. Let's put this up there. Uh, the Israelis are proposing a two-month fighting pause in Gaza, aka ceasefire, in exchange for the release of all hostages. Israel, they say, has given Hamas this proposal through the Qatari and Egyptian mediators that would include two months fighting in pause as part of a multi-phase deal that would have the release of all remaining hostages inside of Gaza. You still have 130 hostages or so that are being held, including some IDF soldiers. This is including, apparently, a presidential advisor, Brett McGurk, who is in Egypt on Sunday and helping work with the Qataris. Uh, in general, I just want your overall analysis on this. Apparently, the Israeli War Cabinet approved this type of parameters about 10 days ago and have been communicating it. The CIA director, William Burns, has been involved as well. What do you think, Ryan, about the prospects for something like this? I mean, usually I would say, if you're not firing for two months, it's pretty hard to turn those guns back on. Right. That said, this is Israel we're talking about, so I don't think right. they necessarily care. Uh, if you're Hamas, do you take this deal? Do you not take this deal? What do you think? The other thing that they have yeah. proposed, and it's not clear if 
if this is a kind of requirement that Hamas accept this or not, but mm -hmm. they, they said they would offer quote unquote safe passage mm -hmm. to Hamas leaders outside of Gaza, yeah. else, elsewhere. That brings back 1982, uh, if you remember this history, after Israel invaded uh, Lebanon mm -hmm. to try to clear out the PLO, uh, they it, Israel got, got an agreement from the Palestinian uh, leadership that they would leave for Tunisia and and elsewhere. Mm -hmm. There were international monitors uh, that that international forces that came in, and the deal that the PLO and Israel cut was that the international forces would remain to protect the civilian population because Israel had um, the Dahia doctrine had been attacking the civilian population to put pressure on the P, uh, on the, to put pressure on the Lebanese to then put pressure on the PLO to leave. Right, that worked. Uh, as soon as the PLO left, the international forces left, and the, uh, Israel and its proxies engaged in absolutely horrific civilian massacres um, in, in southern Lebanon. Mm -hmm. uh, massacres that uh, that uh, were that involved uh, Ariel Sharon and like yeah, future prime well ministers. This is so like yeah, we're not talking. Yeah. We're, we're talking. This is Wikipedia level yeah. stuff here. <laughs> yeah. And so that wasn't that long ago for right. the for. These folks, like if if you're you know in your fifties and sixties and and you're a Palestinian, you know you you were a ten or twenty, you know when this when this happened, you re, you remember this, and so hearing again, hey guys, as long as your leadership leaves, don't worry, you know we're going to cut a deal, everything is going to be fine. You remember that, and so. Also, you know that uh, Israel is going to hunt you down or anywhere around the world. Yeah, so you can exactly. get safe passage to right. Tunisia or, right. or, or Qatar, but they're going right. to try to get you anyway. So you're actually maybe even safer, bizarrely, in, in Gaza, yeah, even yeah. though nobody's safe uh, Look, in it's Gaza. It's a Gordian knot, and it's not, it's not a good situation. I think that's like the easiest yeah, I think way. It, it shows that Israel is under insane amounts of pressure to, right. to actually focus for now on the hostages, which they have not been doing. Well, that's a good segue. Guys, I'm gonna go a little bit out of order here, but can we please uh, put DE4 on the screen so I can narrate it a bit? This is showing the families actually of hostages in Gaza storming into a Knesset meeting, which is their parliament, demanding an end to the war and a deal immediately. They say, quote, you will not sit here while our children die. And clearly you can also see there's some signs there in Hebrew. Many of these are family members. I mean, they're literally storming the meeting and uh, taking over the entire thing, faces and others of those who have not yet been released. This is a tough, tough situation. I mean, it just demonstrates as well the disconnect in the Israeli war cabinet between those like Gavir, Smotrich, and Netanyahu to a certain extent where they want the war to continue and they don't care about the hostages. They can say they want to, but listen, they haven't saved a single one. The only thing they've done is shot three of them mm -hmm. uh, that we know. Uh, and then in terms of the bombing, I mean, listen, yeah. you know, ask the hostages who were released to say that they were bombed. So there's that. We can keep that in mind. There was, also, there was a mother uh, on yeah. Facebook of, uh, of a hostage who said that uh, their, the autopsy showed that her son was killed by like a poison gas attack inside a tunnel. Wow. Um, and so there's enormous amounts of pressure from these families on, right. on uh, the Netanyahu government to take the lives of the hostages seriously. Yeah. Uh, and at the very beginning, you, you, right, you had Smotrich, you had Ben Gavir saying, we need to not care over mm -hmm. much about the hostages. We need to be ruthless in how we wage this. Uh, the, the, Han the, the kind of a mass version of the Hannibal Directive, which is, which is that you know, uh, hostages are, are too costly politically mm -hmm. uh, for Israel. And so 
it's better it's better that they they're they're killed before they can become hostages like that's the Hannibal yeah. uh, theory the Hannibal directive and so without a if Israel was accomplishing its military objectives they might be able to push back on this on the on the on the families who are demanding the hostages release get hostage release take mm-hmm. priority but without that okay you're not accomplishing your military objectives the demands of the families um, become that much harder to ignore. I think you're exactly right. And that actually is a perfect segue. We can put E2 up on the screen. This is news we've been holding now for a while, but wanted to make sure that we got to it. This just happened a couple of days ago. Uh, leaked U.S. military assessment to the Wall Street Journal. They say that Hamas has told us far, far, far short of Israel's war aims. Israeli forces have killed 20 to 30% of Hamas fighters, U.S. intelligence estimates show, a toll that falls short so far of Israel's goal of destroying the group and shows that its resilience after months of war that have laid swaths to the Gaza Strip. The U.S. estimate found that Hamas still has enough munitions to continue striking Israel and Israeli forces in Gaza, quote, for months, and that the group is attempting to reconstitute its police force in parts of Gaza City, which already we have seen major Israeli withdrawals from. Ryan, you and I have discussed Mm -hmm. some of that. Previously, Israeli officials concede that despite the aggressive air ground campaign that has killed thousands of civilians, they have not achieved their goal of destroying Hamas, which has run Gaza now, and that they have withdrawn thousands of troops following pressure from the United States to transition to a more surgical phase of its war against Hamas. Military officials say that the war can continue for many more months and that their survival has raised questions within Israel, the Palestinian authorities, and abroad about whether Israel can even achieve this most basic aim. Biden administration has now begun to scale down their expectations for the war, they say, to Hamas's degradation as a security threat from its utter destruction, and that the U.S. has urged Israel to shift the war to where more targeted operations are aimed at Hamas leadership. A senior Israeli military official told the Wall Street Journal, you don't have to win, you just have to not lose. I actually would uh, swap that around. I would say that's Hamas's uh, goal. Right. You know, I would say for Hamas, you, yeah, they don't have to win. There's no there's no winning against right, people who've got air power. you got no air power. But you don't have to not lose. Ask the Taliban how that worked out for them. They're stronger when we left than they were when we invaded. Somebody makes sense of that for me after a billion dollars. Or sorry, a hundred billion dollars mm-hmm. or so. Same uh, with the Houthis. Same with the Houthis. Same with, uh, you know, ISIS. We can think about that in terms of... Uh, Iraq and how much it costs. And then they talk here about some of the surviving fighters and others. They're basically saying that in terms of the number of fighters that have been killed, even if you take the Israeli military estimate, which is 9,000, that is still 30% of the group's total fighting force. And that's on the very, very high end, right? That's not very good. And that was the fighting force at the beginning. At the beginning. That's now We don't even know. Now you've taken 2 million people and displace them. Mm-hmm. How many new recruits have you created yeah. by uh, orphaning them, uh, by killing their brothers and sisters, their grandparents, their uncles, their, their nephews? If you are, if you are, uh, you know, a, a 18 year old um, man or woman mm-hmm. um, in in Gaza at this point, like you're you're either you know scrounging uh, for food and medicine to keep your to keep yourself alive, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe you go try to join Hamas at this point. It's very. That, it, that's been the problem with that. That's the that's the doctrine. Like that's the problem that you know that the kind of counterterrorism effort globally has always tried to reckon with. If you yes. kill a terrorist, do you create more terrorists 
then you right. have just killed. And that's not necessarily like something that, you, you know, it's a common talking point. People are like, oh, what does that mean? We should do nothing. It's like, listen, you should just be calibrated and you should think about whether trade-offs exist and what they look like. So for example, if we were to think about where a terrorist group genuinely could have been eradicated, I think Al-Qaeda in 2001 is a perfect example because right. it's a small paramilitary organization which has ties to the Taliban, but it's not directly it's connected. It's not indigenous anywhere. It's not indigenous. You know, half the people in Afghanistan are like, who are you Arabs? Right. Why are you here? I don't even <laughs> Like you, yes. right? So they're You're willing to get about up. the CIA, right? Like, exactly. They're like, get out of here. Cut you know, their like, go kill them. Yeah. So that was a perfect example of one where, yeah, I genuinely think we could have gone in there. Mm -hmm. As long as there weren't a lot of Afghan civilians around, you could have carpet bombed, you could have killed every single one of them, and would have done nothing. But. Then we're going to think about the Taliban. It's like, well, now you're talking about somebody's cousin, somebody's uncle, right. somebody who's involved in drug trafficking and all these, you know, in, in activities, including police force and anti-government for very different reasons. Now we're not getting into a phase where you can just go in and kill somebody and make sure that you're not having some uh, detrimental effect. May still be a good reason to kill them. You know, maybe they're in charge of X, Y, and Z, or if you kill one person, it can have a bigger effect. But at the end of the day, you're going to need a bigger, bigger political military strategy. It's why we lost the war in Afghanistan. Same thing. We killed a lot of insurgents in Iraq. How did that work out? You know, right. it didn't work out so well. And right. uh, yeah, I, ISIS kind of is a confusing example and raised people's expectations mm -hmm. in a way that uh, was was inappropriate because ISIS basically just a bunch of Europeans yes, who came correct. who came down there from Chechnya or Britain yeah. or Belgium. And again, people in Syria are like, "Why are you enslaving my you know neighbor?" Yeah, they just got ra slave. radicalized right. on YouTube and everywhere exactly. else, and then and they come down for this like much easier adventure. to kill. Uh, much easier to kill and, and, to and you can extract and you can extract that from the culture because right. it's not indigenous to to not endemic to the culture. Whereas this effort to call Hamas ISIS fails mm -hmm. because Hamas is made up of people who are from Gaza. Yeah, like that's you, true. you can say whatever you want about them; they're from Gaza. They're from there, yeah. which means it's not going to be that easy to root them out. It's a lot. It's a lot harder to kill them. It's a lot harder to separate them from the population. If you did want to separate them from the population, you'd probably do the opposite of what Israel is doing. And now, you know, you've got this bad, you've got a bad, bad situation. So you got 21, 24 guys who have been killed here. How many more are going to be killed, you know, in this war of occupation? And now, you know, they're gonna face all what, kinds. to blow up a building? They're gonna face all kinds yeah. of problems inside Israel because already yeah. they've done these withdrawals and the reservists, they're sending them back because they need them to work in the military. Well, we all just got a preview today of what a real war of occupation looks like. You need hundreds of thousands yeah. of people standing around on street corners with guns. You can bomb them until kingdom come, but you can only keep it up for certain periods of time. And eventually, you know, you're going to be involved in this type of activity. You're going to get killed. A lot of you are going to get killed, especially when you don't have good tactics, good discipline, good command and control. So many is different things. So listen, I think this is a big, big problem. Any final thoughts here? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. and if you're the if you're a, the family of one of these 24 and maybe counting uh, IDF soldiers who died, you're asking, what did they die for? And, and you're told they were doing a controlled demolition of a building. Right. Like buildings do not threaten anybody. Mm -hmm. what, what threatens people are ideologies and people who hold those ideologies uh, who operate out of buildings and who use weapons. But you can destroy them. Like what, what does destroying a, a, a university do? Right. Like what does, destroy, what does, what does leveling an apartment building do? Uh, do to make Israel any safer. And so you're, so not only did you lose at least 24 soldiers, but you, but you did it to destroy a building. Mm -hmm. 
Like, there's no, there's no building that is worth that. The lucky thing is that at least in Israel, their population, as you can see, is a lot less compliant than ours. <laughs> you know, whenever their people are on the line, they genuinely do kind of act out in many mm -hmm. cases, as you saw in terms of storming the Knesset. So perhaps the families of those, you know, inside the country will begin to ask questions. It's a small country. When you lose somebody, you know, it's, it's, it's going to hit a lot more, as we were all, talked a lot about on October 7th. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews, were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. From serum sets to the always sold out retinol alternative TBT cream, you'll find your perfect skincare match. Dime has over 2 million happy customers and their product reviews are literally five stars. Love your skin again. Go to DimeBeautyCO.com for 20% off with code GETDIME. That's DimeBeautyCO.com, code GETDIME for 20% off. Let's move to the final part here about Harvard. Uh, we've been wanting to cover some of this campus uh, craziness or so-called I just want to say, I told you so about Bill Ackman, all right? I, I can say it every time, but every time we get vindicated, this is just the most perfect example to me. So if we'll all recall, Bill Ackman, the billionaire hedge funder um, who has done some very questionable practices whenever it comes to SPACs and to uh, crashing mm -hmm. the market after COVID, there's a lot of discussion. We can we can put that off to the side. Just, you know, giving people a context about how a man became be worth $4 monologue. billion. Dollars. Uh, I've done it before. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll do it again. Okay. So Bill Ackman uh, on October 8th wakes up and is like, oh my God, there's all these Palestinian groups that are saying abhorrent and awful things. Mm -hmm. I should help to cancel them and make sure that they can never get a job. This morphs into after the Harvard hearing before Congress, an effort to get Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, fired for not saying immediately that calling for the genocide against Jews constitutes a targeted harassment at the university. Eventually then morphs into plagiarism accusations against Claudine Gay in which she retired. But remember, he didn't actually care about plagiarism. He cared about getting this woman fired over quote-unquote anti-Semitism concerns. Well, Harvard has now heeded the call, and they've created a quote anti-Semitism task force. But now, let's put this up there. This is, this is pretty amazing. Bill Ackman and Larry Summers, former president of Harvard, are now decrying the choice of Derek J. Pensler, who is a professor of Jewish history and is Jewish himself, 
as the leader of an anti-Semitism task force. Will you guess why, Ryan? Because, quote, he helped to lead a panel which had signed a letter that was critical of Israel, describing it as a regime of apartheid for its treatment of Palestinians. Now, this is very, very important here because what they are saying is that this man, who is a Jew, a professor of Jewish history, and who is leading the anti-Semitism task force himself, is not a proper person to lead the anti-Semitism task force because he has been critical of Israel. Okay, so not that he's anti-Semitic himself, but they are saying that criticism of Israel equals anti-Semitism. That gives the whole game away, doesn't yeah. it? It kind of gives the whole game away. And so just to give you an example about Bill Ackman, let's put this up there on the screen. He says, Harvard continues on the path of darkness. Again, because he was chosen as the co-chair of this anti-Semitism task force, and he led a panel, which then signed a letter, and then also called for a ceasefire. Which means then that criticism of Israel, the government itself, according to Ackman, yeah. is anti-Semitism. And also according to uh, Larry Summers, we can put his tweet up there on the screen. We're only giving you half of this, by the way. There's a lot more. <laughs> it's on and on. Um, it's if you're Ackman-esque. But, I mean, Ryan, this is just so blatant and transparent, you know, the way that so many people have, like, fallen for this. Guys, none of this has anything to do with DEI. It's about Israel. It's about protecting Israel from criticism. And listen, you know, I, you know, the whole apartheid thing and all that, who cares? It's a foreign country. In this country, we are allowed to criticize a foreign country. Last time I checked, except we've got an Israel exception, apparently in this case. Yeah. It's just outrageous, outrageous to me. Israel is a country. Israel is a country with policies. Criticizing those policies does not make you anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. For a long time, that had seemed like a pretty straightforward yes. uh, pro proposition. Uh, and you would often have the, the opponents of that proposition kind of twisting themselves into knots to say that that's not actually what they mean. But like mm -hmm. you said, uh, it's v now very clear exactly what they mean, that you cannot have a co-chair of an anti-Semitism task force who is a critic of Israel because right. they, are, they are by definition- He's Jewish. Anti-Semitic. Yeah. He's, he's one of the most renowned professors yeah. of Jewish history, like in- <laughs> In uh, you know that is that is working today certainly, but in right. but in you know a century, uh, and and to call him anti-Semitic uh, is is flatly absurd. And it, the apartheid question is an interesting one too, right? Because you know apartheid means that you you have different rights mm -hmm. you know within the borders of a country, uh, depending on your ethnicity or your or your religion. Mm -hmm. The uh, the critics of that label say it's not fair to call Israel apartheid because the occupation is temporary. And at some point in the future, there will be a resolution, which means it is no longer an apartheid state, whereas yes. South Africa was a locked in- like a permanent racial Permanent, this is, this, is, this is what it is. Right. Netanyahu clearly stating that there will never be a Palestinian state locks that in. Mm -hmm. The only alternative if there will never be a Palestinian state, is that it is all under the security control of Israel, mm -hmm. and everyone underneath Israel's security control is subject to those laws, and if you are Palestinian or Arab, you have different privileges, you have different rights. That is apartheid. And if, you, if Netanyahu is not willing to say, to even pretend that at some point in the future there will be a, a two-state solution, mm -hmm then it is apartheid. Like that, that's just definitionally, to, so to say that it's, uh, it's anti-Semitic and out of bounds to say that for a Jewish historian 
who knows the history is to demand ignorance yes. of your panelists. Look, I haven't even thought about it that much because I honestly think that some of these rhetorical battles are irrelevant. It's like, look, are the Palestinians treated worse than Israeli citizens? It's like, yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay, I can tell you that from I haven't seen it with my own eyes. I don't know. You can call it whatever you want. I don't yeah. care. Oh, I, uh, I agree. The whole, the whole point I, is just I that. I agree. I mean, we get, you know, it devolved into all of these rhetorical battles and it's not, and it is like, listen, this is all irrelevant. The whole point is about are you allowed to say what you want in the United States of America? Right. And the answer should be yes. Yeah, if you're a and scholar of Jewish history and you want to say if that, you, you are should be able to a scholar say. Of Jewish, listen, I hate some of these scholars. All right, I probably this man and I would probably hate hate each other. <laughs> we would hate over DEI over so much. And as long as he defended my right to be able to criticize him and vice versa, we're cool, man. You know, doc, the professor and I. But that's the problem: is that people are not actually properly implying these principles whenever they're talking. You know, out of both sides of their mouth. This is about Israel. Period. At the same time, we have a very strange situation at Columbia University. We have some video, actually, we can play here, of two Columbia University students who were allegedly sprayed with something called skunk spray, which is apparently used on Palestinians in the West Bank um, by Israeli forces. It is, quote, known to cause nausea, abdominal pain, and vomiting. And this is self-reported um, from some of these protesters. But appears to have some verification uh, mm -hmm. with their symptoms. Columbia University actually responded to these allegations. We could put this up there, please. They say that the Department of Public Safety is working with the local and federal authorities to investigate some of these incidents. Ryan, you guys had an intercept story on this. Could you break it down for us and just tell us a little bit about what you guys found? Yeah, my, we can put this up in post. My yeah. colleague, Prem Tucker, uh, as, as his piece is headlined, Columbia scolds students for, quote, unsanctioned Gaza rally where uh -huh. they were attacked uh, with chemicals. And the, the allegation is that two of these students are uh, former I, IDF soldiers. Mm -hmm. It would be familiar with the use of uh, skunk spray. There's been mm -hmm. some confirmation, at least, of, that one of them was. Um, you, you've had at least, you know, the two were attacked, but you had dozens you were kind of sickened um, by this in pretty yeah. intense uh, chemical spray. And it wasn't until uh, Prem's story went up that Columbia finally sent out a new statement, like that first statement oh, interesting. that okay. they put out was- So what do they say? They were con uh, yeah. concerning incidents. Now they're saying that they're, you know, they're looking into it, like that there's, there's going to be a, an investigation. Um, you know, if anybody has concerns, you know, mm. they should reach out. Like taking it a little bit more seriously than they were before, it, it felt like the Columbia administration was kind of hoping that the press it just, just go wouldn't cover this. And the, that that we were the first news outlet to cover it is kind of shameful because, and also uh, hypocritical that it, if if this happened in reverse, right. where, um, what's his name, Shai Davidson yeah. um, has been making a huge name for himself as this, this Columbia business uh, mm -hmm. professor or associate professor, adjunct or something, who uh, is saying he feels deeply unsafe on campus and are urging all of these students to be disciplined. Mm -hmm. um, if if this had been a, a pro-Israel rally and you had um, SJP students come and like hit them with skunk spray and someone mm -hmm. to the hospital, um, you you cannot imagine a world in which the media didn't touch it until the Intercept covered it. Yeah, I, you're, you're obviously right. And again, you know, it's like, look, these protesters. I don't know anything about these people, but at the very least, they're not hurting anybody. Like, you know, in this country, don't spray again, them. at least, you yeah. know, if someone's going to spray them, it should be the cops. And even then, it's like we should probably talk about that. <laughs> it's like it's like you don't just get to spray people unless they're attaking you. And when you do, it's like what what is happening here? Like, how is there not again some outrage? It's just. 
it's nuts to me. We're not applying proper principles. I mean, for right-wing people, you want MAGA folks to be sprayed in the face, like with skunk spray by what, an agent of uh, like the Ukrainian military or something? That would be nuts. That would yeah. genuinely be nuts. Or what, to yeah, have. what if what if we had like, yeah. a Russian student? Exactly. Uh, yeah. and, and there's like a pro-Ukraine rally. Well, I'm sure the media would condone that. They'd be, they call it an act of self-defense or something. But that's yeah. my whole point is that you're not supposed to selectively, you know, apply some of this stuff. So the campus craziness continues. Uh, it certainly does. And uh, we will continue to keep you guys updated. Ryan, it's been great talking with you, man. Uh, we will be together tomorrow yeah. morning, See you in the morning. Um, for the counterpoints, uh, counterpoints, breaking points, crossover, reaction to the New Hampshire primary in which the whole uh, team will be here. Crystal also joining us remotely. And uh, thank you all very much for joining us. We really appreciate you. Got the discount going on now if you can help us out, breakingpoints.com. Otherwise, I'll see you tonight. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to see you all the time. All right, see you. <laughs> see you tomorrow morning. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.